This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for being our God, and, and I thank you that you want to be with us. Not in the future, but today. Before we were conceived, you, you knew our names. You, you knew the life you desired for us, an eternal one. And Lord, today, I just pray that you would speak this morning. I'm very excited to, to share what I think you've laid upon my heart. And um, I just pray that you would speak and not me. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so this morning, what I like to do, and, and, and this might be awkward. I hope it's not. Uh, I'm gonna, I've asked Tanner. Tanner, just come on up. Um, I, I want to explain something that I think is real and I think is true. Uh, and I want to just share that with you. And, uh, but I think it would work best in a conversation. And Tanner has every... He, he quite possibly could represent you. This makes sense. So it would be awkward for me to every time I said something, and Tara, you know, and Shiloh, and just, you know, those types of things. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a conversation with Tanner this morning and um, explain some things that may or may not be your experience. Okay? But I, I, think, it, I think that everyone here this morning is, is quite possibly... God has a message for you, okay? So <clears throat> um, we're going to start off. And, then, and, and by the way, uh, as we have this conversation, there's some stuff that will go on the screen. Because I'm going to kind of shape this story, this narrative, I'm going to be giving uh, some scripture, some, some different details, and that'll just come up on the screen. But I'm not going to read you a PowerPoint this morning. If that's something that you were wanting to have or experience, my apologies, that won't happen here. <laughs> Um, so does this make sense? Good set the ground rules? All right. So Tanner um, uh, is someone who has a child. I have a five-year-old daughter, and um, you're, you have parents. I know your parents, um, and you have uh, sibling. Uh, you have sibling, yes, you have sister. Um, okay, so here's what I think possibly could have happened with you. Uh, you your parents wanted you. They were excited that you were coming into the world, and um, they were—they did everything in their power uh, to give you the life uh, that they believe you should have. Okay, and it doesn't matter how much money they make, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear, whatever. The number one thing, and and I and I think bar none, the number one plan or the number one goal for your life was for your parents. For your parents, for you, was for you to be in the kingdom of heaven. But more than that, to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and they were praying over you. I'm sure your dad prayed over your mother's belly, you know, and just uh, this, you know, and then Fano was the son, my son, you know, I'm so excited. You know, will he be a good man? And, and, but will he have a relationship with Jesus, Lord? That is our number one goal. And every day they prayed about it. And in the day that you told them, you, uh, want to, to give your heart to Jesus or you wanted to be baptized, like that just made their existence. And so what parents will do, 
Uh, they'll try and craft this whole environment. I'm sure that they, they came up with this, this, uh, this room uh, that was perfect and they had their, you know, whatever color it was and just different things that would make you be whatever they wanted you to be. It, they, they, they did that because you're, you're the center of their existence. now. I, I, and, and, and that might be harsh and you might want to theologically discuss that. And Of course, Jesus is the center, but parents understand this. Once the reason why you think parents aren't cool anymore, they're not in style, they quit being in style when you were born because they spend every minute of their day, every, every uh, ounce of their energy to make sure that you were everything that they believe God wants you to be. Okay, does this make sense so far? And so they would take you to uh, church. If they were good parents, they would take you to church and they would tell you stories. And like, for instance, we have, we have Moses here. This is the next Pathfinder big thing at that they're going to have in 2024. Moses is the theme. And, and this cartoon kind of represents, you know, they would put the cartoons and the books and they would read you stories. And they were so excited when you would, you know, regurgitate something to someone that they didn't, you know, might know at the grocery store. If you mentioned Moses or David or Daniel, they were so excited that it was catching on, that you would know something about God. And then they would, um, uh, you, would you would go to, to church, Right? They would bring you to church, you know, your little crater old times, and you would learn your little memory verses, and you'd sing the little songs, and everything you possibly could do, they were proud of. You would scribble something that just looked horrible on a piece of paper, and they would go, look, he's an artist, and they would put it on your, the refrigerator. You know, and, and what would be funny is, like, everyone would look at it, wow, look at that, that's a strong attention to detail. No, it wasn't, it was just, you just, <laughs> you would try and tell a joke and it wasn't even funny and everyone would laugh just because you were speaking and they thought that this was some miracle. Every 13 weeks, you would get up front, right? You know, they'd want you to stand up and you'd stand up in front of church and you'd do what you were supposed to do. You'd, you'd, you'd sing or you would, you would speak. You'd, you'd, it wasn't even a full memory verse. It was the abbreviated version, right? You know, and God created, Genesis 1-1, amen, you know, and that was your, potentially your experience. And everyone was super, super happy, and so now you have church, and then you went to school. Now, whether you were homeschooled or you went to whatever school you went to, um, they surrounded that with a love for God. Well, as you got older... Um, you got some more complex things. They started to teach you bigger things. You moved on from cradle roll to primary to juniors and to teens. And, and in your school, maybe if you went to a Christian school, they started talking about bigger things. They used bigger words. And so instead of just, you know, it's funny, the Bible consisted of just people's names when you're a kid. And somehow it morphs into doctrine, Right? And what's interesting is they start talking about things like, you know, the investigative judgment and the sanctuary and all these different things. And you're like, oh, yeah, and, and it's coming at you and, and, and you got to remember this stuff. And they start using, which is really interesting. Tell me if you can relate to this. They start using inclusive language and they'll say things like this, like we believe this. And we do this, or we don't do this, and this is how we do it. And, and, all, and all of a sudden, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm a we. Is this, can, can, are you, can you relate to this? 
And then sometimes you would do things and you would go, oh, uh, we do this. But you don't know why you're doing it, but you just, we do that, right? Of course, everyone's going to heaven and everyone. But then all of a sudden what happens is you, you start to see people that don't do things like we do. So you go to the grocery store and some ladies dress different than mommy. And so you might say something like, hey, mom, why is she wearing that? And your mom's like, shh, right? Or they'll might, in their excitement, they'll say something and they'll misuse the Lord's name. And you'll go, we don't talk like that. That is misusing the Lord's name. And your parents are like, shh. Oh. And you're like, what? Let's, I mean, that's right, right? That's what we do, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, but we don't tell people that. That's embarrassing. And so you're like, whoa, that's weird. And so now all of a sudden you start to learn that there are people who aren't like we. Isn't that right? But then it gets really crazy. <clears throat> As you get older, Tanner, tell me if you've experienced this. You start going to school with people who don't act like we. Did that happen to you? And sometimes you have friends that you've known your whole life that all of a sudden start doing stuff that we don't do. Like you're, you know, you're behind somewhere, you're just all by yourself, and they say a word and you go, whoa, 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 we don't, we don't say those words. And everyone's laughing about it, and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. Like you're, you're waiting for something to happen because when you were a kid, Whenever someone used that type of word or did those types of things, in about a five to ten minute increment, the story resolves itself. And that kid either doesn't get supper or loses an arm or a leg, right? Right? Or is severely sorry. And by the end of the story, clearly that doesn't happen going forward. But no, no, no. Now all of a sudden, this is going on. Like people are talking different. And not only that, Boys and girls are starting to like each other, and what's that? And then all of a sudden, you hear stories, you're like, whoa, we don't do that. But all of a sudden, you start going, wait, wait, wait. Well, there's like all these different we's, right? And now I found out whether the we's were like, no, these are kind of like, my parents are the we. And so now there's this new group, and what group am I in? Because I like my friends. Because now all of a sudden, your parents went from being the center of your universe to now they're just like basically carpool. It's just, I just threw, right? Like, I want to go here. And your parents are like, okay, get in the SUV, kids. <laughs> and they just, you know, they take you wherever you go. They, now they're in Kentucky. Why? Because Hannah wants to go to GYC, you know? <laughs> so that's what they've done. They've literally become travel agents. But then you go and you hang out with your friends. I saw a good buddy of mine just, just unloading. You know, He's with his daughter, just wonderful daughter. And uh, he's like, yeah, she wants to be with her friends. She doesn't want to hang with her dad anymore. And, um, and like, you know, he's like, you know, telling it funny, but he's kind of wanting to see if she's going to say anything. And she doesn't say anything, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, yeah, my daughter's five. He's like, oh, you're still the greatest right now. And I'm like, so I turned to his daughter and I said, hey, um, when, do you, when did your dad stop being the greatest to you? And she's like, is that a question? How should I answer that? And I'm like, don't answer it. And she's like, can we just go, dad, to my friends? All right, so, 
Are you with me? Like, do, do, how many of you can relate to this, what we're talking about right now? Is this making sense? Okay, to some of you? Good. Good, good. Because we're, we're going somewhere, and okay, good. we got to hurry up. So, so this is happening, and while this is happening, older people in this community, because right now you're surrounded by, again, in, 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 in the, I'm talking in the ideal. I'm actually not talking about, you know, I don't know who my dad is. I don't know who my mom is. I was abused. I, I'm not talking about that type of dysfunction. Where There's people here this morning that, like, that's your story, and, and that's just another conversation, and, I, and I'm praying that it gets better. I'm talking best-case scenario, like, this is how we drew it up as Adventists. You with me? Because I feel like there's a lot of kids, like, that's, you're in this realm, and I think you're in this realm, but we don't have that conversation. But here's what's really crazy is, the numbers are seven to eight out of ten Adventist young people quit going to church about your age. About the time, because you're, you're about the time where you can decide whether you're going to church or not. You're actually driving. You don't need carpool anymore. You're like, meh. Because we, the new we, says, meh. We don't do that. And so you're like, okay, we don't do that. Because your whole life, you just, we, we, we. And you're not even French. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, that's a really bad joke. So, um, so in the fight that is, here's what happens is like adults are freaking out because like, man, they're not making these same decisions and they always said yes before and now they're not. And so they start hitting you with doctrines and, and so, so they'll start, start talking, like they're going to notch it up. And remember that story about Moses? They're like, whoa, there's a bigger thing with Moses. There's the sanctuary message. And they start talking about those things and you're like, no, no, I just want to stay with this fun Moses. I actually don't want to know like, you know, that stuff. Or you'll say this, yeah, yeah, I know all about that. I totally memorized that. That was like eighth grade Bible. I made it out of toothpicks, you remember? It's in, the, it's in the attic somewhere. But like, yeah, whatever. And then you'll start saying things that are freaking a lot of people out. You'll say things like, man, I just don't know if God's for me or not. I mean, I just don't know if, or if, I don't, I mean, I like God and everything. I love God, but why, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Like, do I need to go to church to be a Christian? And you ask this question, your parents are freaked because they're like, how do I answer that? Because, you know, obviously church isn't required for, and then they'll attach it to salvation. Like, you don't have to go to church to be saved. And of course you can love God and not go to church because, uh, uh, but if I say that he's not going to go to church and they just go, ah, talk to your father, you know, or whatever, you know, or whatever. It freaks out. And so what they'll do is they'll call the youth pastor or they'll call the youth director and they're like, my kid is losing his mind. Have some type of event or something, right? You know, I want to send him over. Do you know a kid who loves Jesus that can be my son's friend? <laughs> but of course to you, everything's like cool. Like, hey, all right, we're cool. But they are having lots of conversations behind locked doors because they are freaked because all they want is for you to have a relationship with Jesus. So, here's my uh, best um, my best explanation that I can give you. And so what I want to do, and I'm not going to make you stand up here forever, but you're coming back up. So just have, but come back up, Tanner. This is, I want to explain something to you. So like you get like two or three minutes, Tanner, and then you're coming back, okay? All right, so... So I want to, here's what I want to do. I want to, and this is just very, very simple. 
I'm going to take fun Moses, deep theology, and put it together to where it makes sense to you in 2020. Does this make sense? All right, here we go. Now, this is, a, if you have not read this story, and, I, and by the way, I'm really absolutely not trying to be funny. It, I, I've traveled enough to know there are, in, in, in every audience, there are people that absolutely know this material. They know it better than me. And there are people that, like, yeah, yeah I kind of remember. And there are people that have no idea what I'm talking about. So, so if, you, if I, you think I'm talking down to you, I'm absolutely not. I'm trying to talk to everyone. Okay? Now, the story of Moses, now whether you saw the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments or you remember the story or you read it for yourself, there's this story of all of these people are living in bondage, right? They're slaves in Egypt and their life is horrible and all they wish they could do is, is to not be slaves anymore because that's what their lives have gotten them, miserable. Does this make sense? And then God sent Moses out to get them out. Now, what was the thing, the big thing that happened that made the Pharaoh go, you can leave? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> there was the Passover. So here's what happened. God said, okay, look, here's this deal. If you want to live, you are going to kill a lamb, you're going to take the blood, put it over the door of your house, and then stay in the house. Because the angel of death is coming. Now, I don't care whether you feel like it's going to happen or not. It's totally going to happen. So if you want to live, go into this house. Because every firstborn male that doesn't do this will die. And that's exactly what happened. So all of these, all of these firstborn sons died to the, such an extent that Pharaoh, who is the leader of the entire, the greatest empire on the planet. Okay, you could argue, and maybe this is a bad uh, analogy, but it was the USA of the time. They were the biggest military superpower. And the greatest workforce they had were the children of Israel. They were the slaves. But it was so bad. Imagine every firstborn in the United States, pff, gone, except for those that obeyed. They said, you leave. And they did. And so after they left, you know the story, right? They take off. And in rough estimates, one to two million people, they just, they take off. Now, uh, those of you that uh, like to go on trips, you, you, like you went to, those of you that traveled to come to GYC, did you pack? Yeah, like you prepared for stuff, right? Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Now, imagine two two million, one to two million people going across the desert. What would they need? Just basic things. Water. I'm not talking Wi-Fi. Yeah, water. <laughs> Food, clothing. Anything else? Shelter, right? I mean, that's like the essentials, right? So this is what God does. He goes, okay, I'm going to take care of your shelter. I'm going to be this cloud. I'm going to cover you during the day. And at night, I'm going to be your light source and your heat source. I'm going to just be fire. And here's the deal. You're like, you have nowhere to go. You don't have Google. You don't have GPS. So here's what I'm going to happen. You just go wherever I go. You look up. You see the cloud there. You don't go anywhere. You look up and you see the clouds moving. You just go where that cloud goes. It's very simple. Anyone could do this. And that's what he did. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 10, and you, you know the story in, in, also in the Old Testament, Bible says that a rock followed them. Matter, matter of fact, water came out of this rock. The Bible actually says the rock followed them in 1 Corinthians 10, and that rock was Christ. So Jesus literally led them across the desert. Isn't that awesome? 
Now, when they, was, when they was leading them, they go to the Red Sea. Now, what happens? The Red Sea then splits open. Why? Because there's these Egyptians that decided, wait a minute, we just got rid of our, the largest workforce? That was dumb. We didn't even pay them. Like, what were we thinking? Let's go get them. And they, they get pinned up against the Red Sea. And Moses is like, what are we going to do? And, and God says, just go forward. He's like, there's a Red Sea. Just move forward, Moses. And he doesn't. It splits. And they cross the Red Sea. You guys know this story, right? These are just, oh, yeah, been there. Yeah, done that. They cross the sea. After they get across the sea, the most scariest thing, the last thing the Egyptians ever saw was this old guy with a stick just going, and the water just goes, ooh. And the greatest military in the entire planet, boom, done. And they didn't even flex. God did everything. And God goes, I want to be with you, actually. I want you to keep going. Now, where do they go afterwards? The Bible says they went to Mount Sinai. Now, now this is what's really interesting about Mount, Mount Sinai. The Bible says that Mount Sinai was his sanctuary. It says the place of his abode. And God is saying, I just want to be with you. You were slaves. I don't want you to be slaves anymore. I just want to be with you. So come, just come. But Lord, we don't know the way. I know, I'm the way. Just come. Isn't that wonderful? Really powerful. And so they show up. They go to Mount Sinai, right? And what happens at Mount Sinai? Well, you know, a lot of things happen at Mount Sinai, but Moses ends up going up to the top and he gets the Ten Commandments. Isn't this awesome? Now, now, now just, just really, really simple. God is saying, look, I know you guys were slaves and, and, and the way that you acted made you slaves, but let me tell you how life is with me. Here you go. Isn't that wonderful? Now, the sanctuary, apparently, according to the, 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 and you say, well, how do you know that God wants to be with me? The, the, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, it says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So he wanted to be with us. That's why he did this. So why would I go to the sanctuary to be with God? What do we call the sanctuary today? Ah, uh, yes. So why should we go to church? Well, to be with God, apparently. Bible says this, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God is our God? So apparently in the sanctuary, you can see uh, God's way for you. So I wanted to show you a couple of things. This, is, this is, might be a recap, might, might be not. They build this sanctuary, and they have this altar. Okay, And on the altar, you, if you sinned, you came here, and they cut. You, you would have to kill the lamb. The lamb represented you. They would, they would sacrifice this lamb on this altar, and then after here, they had this bronze laver, had water in it. The Bible actually calls it the bronze sea in the book of Acts, which is kind of interesting. And then that was the outer court. Inside, you had the holy place where you had this table of showbread. You had this menorah. Now, a menorah literally, had, it said it, it looked like almond branches, and it was on fire. It literally looked like a bush that was on fire. We'll get to that. And then you had the altar of incense, Okay. And then inside, in the most holy place, you had the Ark of the Covenant, which was the mercy seat, the throne of God. And in the Ark of the Covenant, does anybody remember what was there? Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Yeah, the law. right? And then later it says there's a rod and there's, there's manna, but the Ten Commandments are there. So let me, just, let me just go through this again. This is really, really cool, right? So what did the children of Israel, they were in bondage. Uh, what was the first thing that happened to them to get them out? A lamb was slain. And then after that, they went through where? Red Sea. Red sea. And so that was like this water, right? 
Bible says in 1 Corinthians that they were baptized into the sea. Hey, look. So, so then they go to the mountain. Exodus 24 says that they went there. Moses and the elders says they ate and drank with God. They had bread. If you, if you were to go to the table of showbread, it has bread. It has eating utensils. It looks like they had a little party. That's what happened on the mountain. It says in Exodus 24 that Moses built an altar to the Lord. There's our altar of incense. And in Exodus 3, when Moses was on uh, Mount Sinai again, guess what he saw? A burning bush. Isn't this crazy? And then when he went up the mountain, what does he get? The Ten Commandments, which are on the bottom, they put on, under the throne of God. And that's another story. But isn't that super cool? Like, this is this way, right? Okay, very, very good. Now, you say, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I see you got, you know, you went from cartoon Moses to deep theology Moses. And yeah, that's a nice story. So what? It's 2020. All right, Tanner, come on back up here. Now, come on over here. And we're going to use this chair. Stay right there. Now, many people have different perceptions of who God is. Some people have this perception, and uh, uh, God is very distant, he's very perfect, he's very cold, he's very calculated, and I'm here, and he's there, and he's actually looking for ways for me never to get to see him. I hope that that's not anyone in this room, but that actually is a conversation that many people are having in their minds. They're like, wow, like, he's absolutely looking for ways for me to go to hell. And maybe that's because some of you have toxic relationships. Maybe you have some people in your life that are literally telling you on a daily basis that you're probably going to go to hell, which is harsh. Um, but I want to show you something. This is really, really cool. So here you are, and we have the sanctuary, right? And here's the situation is, is God is, again, this is, no, no, this is true. God is perfect, and him is, is no sin and he's amazing, and he's here, and you're here. And if I were to ask you to travel, if you could physically make it to him on your own, do you have anything in you that could make you do that? For myself? Yeah. By just walking. Yeah, right. But the thing is, is you personally, according to the word of the Bible, says this, there really isn't any, no offense. Yeah. There's really nothing in you that's good that's going to make you get there because you have to be sinless and holy. So here you are a slave. Now, just like the story of Moses, you're a slave. Now, do you want to be with God? Yeah. Absolutely, but your ways have gotten you stuck. Does this make sense? So you need help. Now, parents that are here, like if your child, because God is our father, if your child is hurting, what good father would stay here? Does this make sense? Okay. So this is where the sanctuary gets fun. <laughs> oh boy, this is so great. <laughs> okay, before I go further, I need to explain something to you. There are some other things in the holy place that these represent. By the way, does anybody know what the bread, you ever heard of the bread of life? Or what, what does bread represent? in the, the word of God, right? The Bible, isn't that right? And incense, the prayer, uh, incense, air altar of incense is prayer. And these are scriptures right here. If you wanted to take pictures, these are scriptures that tell you what I'm saying to you is true. 
Okay? And in the menorah, the, the light, the Bible, you've heard this text that you are the light of the world. It's talking about Christian witness. So you have, you have prayer, Bible study, service, witness. That's what holy place living is. Now, we've never been able to pull that off on our own, and this has been a situation for us. But a God who's a good father would never let his kid su excuse me, suffer that wanted to be with him. But, but God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That if Tanner wanted to be with him, by God's grace, that was going to happen. So guess what Jesus does? Because he's on the throne. Guess what Jesus does? He gets off the throne. And he lives the perfect life. He talks to his dad every day. They have conversations, prayer, Bible study. That's happening. Jesus memorized the whole Bible. His service shined like a light. But everyone went around and went, hey, did you hear what Jesus did? Like, Jesus, right? Isn't that the, I mean, that's really the gospel. Like, did you hear what Jesus did? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> he just did that. He just healed it. You know, like, whoa. I mean, so he lives this perfect life, right? And then he goes at 30, and guess what he does? He gets baptized. Because you know what he's doing? He's moving towards you, Tanner. And then what does he do after he gets baptized? What do they do to him? They crucify him. And this is where it's huge. At the cross, Tanner, he comes to you and he says, I've come to get you. I know you can't make it here, but we want you here. So at the cross, Jesus takes your hand and says, do you want to come with me? Yes. So, he says yes, and so what Jesus does is he goes, okay, fantastic. You've asked me into your heart. You know what really the first logical step would be? You should get baptized. And let me explain to you what life is like as a Christian. <laughs> we pray, we study the Bible, and we serve. Because that's what life is like here. You're going to love it. Now, I'm not expecting you to totally get it right now because you're used to being a slave. But if you hold on to my hand, this is what Jesus is saying. I'm going to take you places you've never been. And by the way, this is where we're headed, home. Most holy place living. This is why Paul could say in the book of Hebrews, come boldly to the throne of grace, because he understood that this was the destination. Now, I mentioned this last night, if, if any of you were there last night, I, I came to this, this text where, where God says, if anyone desires to come to me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. And I asked these questions, whoa, where is he going and what's the cross have to do with it? Now, let me explain to you some things that gets confusing. Like, does this make sense, what I've shared so far? Yes. Isn't it awesome? Yes. Like God, is, God is just plainly just explaining how much I love you and how I want this to be. And, and, and so let's go back here to the cross. Now, let me tell you some things that some people are saying that I don't, I mean, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they mean what they're saying. But the ramifications of what they're saying could be trouble. Some people, I've heard people say, the cross is enough. Now, 
The cross absolutely is what Jesus did to come get you. But he didn't die for you to stay here. Does this make sense? It would be the equivalent of, let's say that you were out swimming in, I don't know where they swim in Kentucky, but they swim. Uh, I'm from Michigan. Like, there's lakes everywhere, you know. So um, the river. You're in the river, right? And you're, and you're out swimming, and you can't, you're, I can't, I'm drowning. And a lifeguard comes, and he throws a ring around you and goes, I have saved you, and then leaves you in the river. You'd be like, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> and imagine if the lifeguard said to you, enjoy all the river you want now. You're saved. You would be like, yeah, but I'm not sure this is a good thing. Trust me, you'll love it. You see and understand this, 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 this courtyard theology is a problem. And I was, how do I, how do I, I don't get this. But, but here's what, this is what's really interesting. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, what he's saying is, I want you to follow me here, but I actually want you to live like I'm living. Now, what does that actually mean? And so, so let me just, just, just really quick pause uh, 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you. Um, just really quick, what, I want, I want to say this correctly, because if I say it wrong, it's going to not be good. Um, tell, talk to your neighbor and, and, and answer this question. Why do you love what Jesus did? to save you at the cross so much? Like, what about the act just makes you love it, love him? Does this make sense? What, what, about, what about that whole, you know, he came, died, the whole cross thing, oh, and I don't mean to, to make it petty, but why do you love that so much? Why does that just make you so happy? Okay, 30 seconds, discuss, go. Why do you, why do you think that? I think like you were saying, it's what opens the door to get past the unseeable. Mm-hmm. That's like the biggest thing I've always seen is just, yeah, what you were saying. Okay. So it unlocked for you a new life. Yeah, because it's like there's a wall there before and you can't see, and then once you accept Christ into your life, then that wall starts really being broken down and you're able to see what's on the other side. Yeah, it's good. No, that's good. He broke down a wall. That's good. Good. All right, I'm going to have. All right, Peyton. Just in case. All right. It's been maybe 30 seconds. Okay, tell me. Tell me your answers. Just, just maybe shout them out. And, and what I'll do is I'll probably repeat them for the recording. Or if, if you raise your hand, Peyton can get you. But why? Why? Do you, why? Why? Somebody. Yes. Okay, it makes you feel important. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Very valuable. Yes. It's given me access Yeah, absolutely. Access to heaven, understanding of character. That's awesome. Yes. I wouldn't do that for anyone, so he did it for me. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't do that for anyone. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, hey. you might change your mind here in just a minute. Because, no, that's so true. I totally agree with you. Like, eh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Anyone else? Intentional sacrifice. Intentional sacrifice. Yes. Because of that for me, because I always have someone that's always going to be there. 
Ah, whoa, that was super deep. Thank you. Because he did that for me, now I have someone who will always be there for me. Oh, that is so good. Tanner said he he broke down a barrier. Okay, now, now don't read into what I'm trying to tell you. Just, like, I'm not suggesting in any way anything negative here, but but hear, hear, hear me out. God was on the throne. He had a life fully divine, perfect. Nothing has ever, anything physically, anything spiritually, you know what I'm saying? Just like, just perfection. Jesus, what he does is he goes, life as I know it stops. I'm changing my life. And what was the number one goal for that change? You. To save you. Like you. you, If you don't think you're much, Zoe, that's a lie. Divinity said, I'm going to put my life on hold, which is, again, this is where don't, don't take it too far. I'm going to, that's the wrong word. I'm going to change my life and fully live differently because I need you with me. Does this make sense? So when Jesus comes, he's fully committed to you. Now, why is this a big deal? Here's why. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. What he's suggesting is that you do exactly what he did. And if you don't get this, it radically changes your view of the cross. If you believe that the cross is the purpose of the cross is so that God can take you to heaven and you can be saved, you will live a selfish Christian life. Where all you're worried about is, man, am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to go to hell? Am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? And, you know, you're all you're worried about, like, whoa, did, what did I eat? What did I drink? What did I say? You know, am I going to heaven? You know, look at all these poor saps going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. But when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow him, what he's saying is, forget about yourself. And start doing what you thought you would never do for someone else. This is why Moses, you remember when God says, I'm going to wipe these people out. Moses goes, no, send me to hell, but save them. Moses got it. Moses met him at the cross and picked up his cross and followed him. And he was so immersed in how Jesus was. He goes, no, 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 kill me, send me to hell. And he wasn't the only one. Paul said the same thing in Romans. He goes, hey, look, I'll go to hell for you. He literally said that. And Jesus is like, pick up your cross and follow me. Live differently. So when you wake up in the morning and you're experiencing PBS, prayer, Bible study, and service, you're literally getting up in the morning and you're saying, God, who will you show me today that I can lead to you? Because here's what the end time people do. You say, well, yeah, is this really true? Yeah, Revelation 14 verse 4 says this, that there are 144,000 people, right? We all love the 144,000 as Adventists, right? We love the three angels' messages. Boom, this is the money shot then. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. Now, where is Christ going? It's not just, it's not just to heaven. It's and He is literally circling and trying to reach people for Christ. 
The Bible says this in Revelation 3. Now, I, I, don't get me wrong. He's building the mansion for you, but he ain't at the mansion right now. He's at the door of your heart knocking, hoping you'll open it. And guess what? This is the humility of Christ. People go look through the peephole and they see Jesus knocking on the door like, nah, I'm not interested. And then he goes like this, hey, 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 Tanner, you're friends with this girl, right? You've picked up your cross and followed me, right? Hey, knock on her door. She'll recognize you and maybe she'll let me in because I'm in you, the hope of glory. And she'll look at you and they'll go, man, Tanner's like a good guy. Like he was a jerk, but now he's nice. And what happened to you? And Tanner's like, well... Jesus. And then you're like, what? Jesus? Like, I'm not into that Jesus thing. And then Tanner, in his cool, super awesome Jesus way, in his life, preaches a sermon that you hear loud and clear. And you're like, man, I want what Tanner wants. Because we all want holy place living. We, we, I look at, you know it's true. Even when you're denying him in your lifestyle right now, in your heart, you know there's a voice going, you know you want this. You know you want the peace that, that comes with this. You know that the only things worth living, you can't buy. There's nothing more fulfilling than winning a soul to Jesus. That someone was lost and now found because of what God did for you. There's nothing better than this. Just saving the life is where it's at. And he's like, look, that's how it is. So, so if that's true, then picking up your cross is wherever he tells you to go. And here's, here's, here's where this is. Let me connect this back to, to, to real, real talk here. <clears throat> Your whole life, everything that you've done has been wonderful. Remember, we talked about crayons earlier and look at him memorizing half a verse. And, you know, today he prayed at lunch. And uh, look at him. He got up and preached a sermon. He read it, but it was good. <laughs> at some point in your life, they're not going to say it, but you, tell, me if you, tell me this isn't true. People are going to expect you to stop being a consumer and to be a contributor. Because what happened was your entire life, all of these people that get it have saturated, like they, they've done like Jesus, they put their life on hold so you can get it. So mom and dad high five the Sabbath school teacher and the principal and the whoever. And they're like, oh, man, thank you for sacrificing for my kid. And at some point in your life, they're hoping that you make the switch and go, okay, I'm not going to be a consumer anymore. I'm actually going to contribute. Step up. Now, that's not an attractive, like, flashy thing, but it's true. Everyone's waiting for you to now... Be what God wants you to be. Are you going to pick up your cross and are you going to follow Jesus? Or are you going to continue to be a consumer back here and go, Jesus saved me, so where's my big production, everything? And let me go even a little, let me touch it a little further. Let me maybe offend a lot of you. Stop complaining about that 10-person church that doesn't have the, the music set up and the great sermons like you have at college. Duh. And pick up your cross and make the church. 
Stop saying this is lame and, and, and help. Because here's what I find out. When people are actually doing it, they no longer say it's lame because nobody wants to say they're lame. <laughs> Now, right? I guarantee you that lady who could never get all the words to Amazing Grace right does not think that Sabbath school is lame or the music's lame. They're like, oh, that was a good Sabbath school <laughs> because they were doing it. You know, again, everybody wants to go all over the, the world and save the world and, and, and put it on Instagram and everything, but nobody posts on Instagram, here I am in my Sabbath school with two people. The closest person to me is 50 years older than me. And we're reading it in the King James this year. Nobody puts it on Instagram, but let me just say this, that maybe God is calling you to do that. Maybe he is. I don't know. But here's what the people do that just before Jesus comes. They follow him wherever he goes. So maybe it's that church. And I'm telling you this as someone who's under conviction I, I go all over the place and tell people how to live. I'm just being honest. That's what I do. Okay, we want you to speak here and tell everybody how to have life right. And then maybe they'll think you know what you're doing. But Jesus said this to me just recently. He's like, look, uh, why don't you practice what you preach? Why don't you go to that little church that's just two miles from where you live, and why don't you do that? And I was like, but the good Sabbath school is 20 minutes away from my five-year-old. I need to be a good parent, right? And God's like, no, I want you to practice what you preach. And I'm like, well, okay. Okay. Yes, Lord. I will be faithful. And I don't know what's going to happen as a result of it. But I just, I want you, are you with me? I just want to follow him wherever he goes. Does this make sense? Like, this is... This is what we were created to do. And I just want to, I just want to, I just want to be the world to somebody. Even if that person is 85. Right? For some reason, as, as young people, we don't think that the gospel applies to the old people. They're like, yeah, they're already in. Forget it. They're like five minutes from going to be asleep in Jesus. No, no, you say, oh, I can't believe you said that. You know it's true. We never, we never think about them, but this is a generation that needs to be reached. And not only that, this is a generation that has so much to teach you. Amen. So do it. Let me just tell you this. When you do that, you're going to have, you're going to stop complaining about church. You're going to like church. And let me just say this. If you've ever watched these movies, it doesn't matter whether it's a school or whether it's a church you know how the, the movie always starts this, like there's four people there, you know, they're one step from closing down, everything's horrible, and then someone shows up to change everything. You've seen, the, if you've seen the movie, read the book, does that make sense? It always starts that way. Why not be you? And I, here's the thing, God is actually saying, you're it. You're reading the story and going, boy, this is lame, I wish somebody would do it. And God is like, no, no, that's you. This is, your, this is when you step into the story, and this is when you do this, and they'll make the movie later. Actually, we're recording right now. Isn't that true? The book is being written. The movie's being recorded, and you'll see. 
It might not be on ABC, but when you get to heaven, I'm going to point on spots on your crown. These are stars. You had no idea what was going on, but I actually was saving the world for you, and you just thought you were doing Sabbath school. Come on. You know it's true. So do it. You don't even... Look, you... You... You don't even need anyone's permission. There's another excuse I hear. It's like, oh, you know, the old people won't let go of the power. Really? Just do what you can do. Like, you know what I do when I go to my church? I talk. Why? Because that's the only thing I know how to do. My whole life I've been told, you talk too much. Now you know what I get paid to do? Talk too much. So whatever it is, like you, maybe you're like, oh, I absolutely love, you know, Microsoft's new program, and we can record in five dimensions. And Good. Go record at your church. Maybe you like order. Good. Be the order person. You know, I love to sing. Whatever. Just use what God has given you. I'm not asking you to be someone you're not. I'm asking you just to be you. And just find someone. If you don't know anybody, well, pray that God will find someone for you. Literally pray, God, give me someone. And if, you're, if, you're, if you can't hear, then just say, God, Give me the picture of their face right in their head. Wouldn't that be so, so cool if you see this picture of someone you don't even know who it is, and then like later on in the day, you're like, there he is, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't that be so much fun? I mean, following Jesus is going to be so amazing. Why don't you have that conversation with him? You can experience it. Look, again, you know God wants this to happen, so you know these are prayers he can answer. Some prayers you're like, he's like, I can't answer that. But there are certain prayers that's a slam dunk he's going to answer. So when you pray, God, will you help use me to save people? You know he's going to answer it. So be that. So, okay, Tanner, in closing, I've yelled at you enough. Just super simple, three things in closing for you and anyone else listening. Oh, okay, that's telling me that this needs to be quick, three things. All right. Number one, practice holy place living. Prayer, Bible study, service. That's what we do. When you're holding the Lord's hand, like that's how he functions. He wants to communicate. Because here's the deal. The devil, this is how the devil you know, breaks up everybody. He just stops communication. Listen, talk to him. Sometimes, and I don't know if you've ever had, have you ever had conversations with, I'll pick on your sister. She's so amazing. I don't know, this would never happen. But you've ever had a conversation with your sister, like you're not into it as much as you are other times? Like maybe she's doing all the talking and you're like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Look, I'm just being real. Sometimes your conversations will be one-sided. And then other times you'll decide to join the conversation. But he's always there. Keep talking. Don't believe the lie that, that conversation with God doesn't exist, because it does. So do that. And then, and then pray for every day. Like, give me an opportunity, one person. Lord, please. And I believe he'll, he'll do that. Second thing, uh, go home and do something for your church. Not, not, you, maybe you already are. Great. Keep doing it. But be involved in your local church. Look, do you know the worst thing that you can do? The worst thing you can do is go back and tell everybody how great GYC was and how lousy it is there. But you know somebody do that. You guys do that. Like, oh, the speakers are amazing. The music was on point. And here we are. Here, here. I'll listen to the podcast and just be depressed at where I'm at. 
spiritual depression by going to an event. Like, that happens. And I'm like, no. Don't be that way. Okay? All right. All right, so we're going to PBS. We're going to uh, go back and work on our church and do something. And then, um, well, I already said this, but the third thing is this. Every day, ask for God to give you someone. But, but more than that, not just, and I love glow. I absolutely love glow. I'm not just talking about glowing the person. Because we'd like to do that too. Like, hey, you know, glow. And that's awesome. Like, I so love glow. But I'm saying, like, ask God to give someone that you're going to need to spend time with, to spend money on, to, send, to, to, to literally be everything for that person and lead them to Jesus. Now, if I were to say to you, hey, look, everybody look under your seat. I, I taped $20 under the seat for you to do ministry. Would you be happy about that? And you're like, yeah, you don't make any money. I know what you, I know what you pastors make. But if I gave you that $20, would you go do it? Okay, good. Just take out your own $20 and do it. Isn't it funny how $20 looks different when someone gives it to you? It's true. Like $20, somebody gave it up. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll spend it. No problem. You know, this is, yeah, you'll blow it on anything, right? But if you have the $20 and the plate comes around, you're like, oh, where's the one? But practice sacrificial living. Once you find that God has given you that, hey, be that person, be, be everything that person, spend your time and spend your money on these people and be invested, get skin in the game and pray for them and, and see what the Lord does. Look, that is what God is calling us to do. That is what I believe is following Christ in these last days. Amen? Does this make sense? You're going to do it. Yes. I'm going to call your parents and make sure. <laughs> no, just kidding. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many of you like Tanner? Like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Amen. Anybody? Amen. I'm in. I'm totally in. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for doing everything so that we can be with you. Lord, I pray that we would follow you wherever you go to people's homes, to businesses, to parks, wherever that is, to our churches. Lord, help us to be faithful so that you can use us to shine for your glory and win souls so, so that others may be able to get what we got because of you at the cross. Thank you, Lord, for being our God. We love you. In Jesus' name. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.